Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Welcome to the program. This clip in this second part of this series, Our God is the God of Elijah, was recorded in 1987. If you've listened to the previous program, you'll see the tone of this clip is very different. Really amazing, powerful message. And then we have the amazing uh, prophet Elijah. I want you to see how God worked in Elijah's life. First of all, he was just a man in James 5.17. Secondly, there was a drought for three and one half years. Elijah predicted it. God told him to. God stood behind his man and it became a miracle. And he was in control, God was, of this man's heart to communicate this great miracle. Meal and oil in Second Kings chapter 4, the woman that had lost her husband and her sons were going to be taken to pay the debt. And the prophet came, you remember, so beautifully. But this case, it's First Samuel, First Kings 17, when the meal and oil in the house of the woman was multiplied. It didn't waste, it was not taken from the woman. It stayed there and it multiplied as a miracle of God. You may look back at that miracle and say, I don't think God would do it today. He would if he had to. You may say, God would do it for Elijah. He might do it for you. He could very well do it for us. Because God is moved with compassion. His mercies fail not. It's an act of his sovereign grace. For nothing is impossible with God. In 1 Kings 17:22, a child became dead. And Elijah stretched over the child. After Gehazi had no power using his staff, couldn't do a thing, he was too orthodox, he was too dead, he had ulterior motives, he was a letter of the law man, he had a deceitful and crooked heart. Elijah came in, stretched himself out, breathed in, and by the seventh time the child started to sneeze, Elijah of course came back and the sneezing took place and life came into the child. And that child was raised from the dead. The sacrifice commanded by fire in 1 Kings 18.36 on Mount Carmel when God's man stood against 400 false prophets and four more hundred of Baalites and 800 false prophets and false leaders and he called down the fire from heaven after he made it much more difficult for, for God to do than the prophets of Baal could do putting water all over the altar, flooding the, the altar with water, and then immediately he called down fire from heaven, and glory be to God, the fire came down. And one man stood against 800 because Jesus Christ was performing miracles in a time of need. Then we have in this great picture uh, of the captains and men slain by fire in 2 Kings 1.10. Rain came after three and a half years in 1 Kings 18.41. Another miracle. And then his last miracle that he performed through God was the waters of the Jordan divided. All of a sudden, it was time for Elijah to go up. And he said to Elisha, Ask me what you'd have me to do. Ask me what you'd have me to do. Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah said, that's a hard thing. But he said, if you see me when I go up, you'll get it. And my mantle will fall on you. They were walking because they kept walking together. Elisha following Elijah. The two went on. They two went together. And as they were walking the Bible says they were talking. The chariot of fire came down and Elijah was taken up. Elisha saw him and the mantle fell on Elisha. And then Elisha went a little ways. The sons of the prophets were viewing it from afar off. And Elisha cried out, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? 
Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Seven miracles recorded. A prophet of courage who did get despondent. He wasn't perfect. A prophet that believed his God, though he did, he did get depressed and wanted to die. A prophet who was used mightily of God, and when he failed, God was right there with an angel to bake a cake and to wake him up, and he would go in the strength of God's grace. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And God's power fell upon Elisha. May I say this? I believe with all my heart that God's love will fall upon each ministry, each man, each woman, according to God's grace. And the more we have doctrine, and the more we believe God in the finished work, and the more we have childlike faith in Him, and the more we abide in His Word, each ministry becomes more and more powerful. Each ministry has the mantle of the past ministry, and each ministry goes on through the grace of God. What will this prophet Elisha do? What will he do? He's got Elijah's mantle. Let me say this. He has Elijah's God. He has Elijah's God's grace. He has Elijah's God's love. He has Elijah's God's power. He has Elijah's God's wisdom. He followed Elijah. Elijah. He paid the price of following God's servant. And God now is going to reward him. Will he do more than Elijah through the power of God? Yes, he will. And the Bible says that he performed through Jesus Christ 13 miracles. The Jordan was divided. The water was healed. The children that mocked him because he had a bald head were torn to pieces by bears. When his army needed water, the army that he helped, even though he wasn't in favor of the alliance of the two kings with God's king. But nevertheless, he told them what to do to dig the ditches deeply, and they did. And at night, they did not see the rain. They did not feel the wind. But when they woke up in the morning, the ditches were filled with water. Oh, he had the power of God in his life. When a need came, he had the power. And Elisha could go to God and get results through the grace of God. And he saw God perform the miracle. Then the Bible says that when it came to the widow's oil supply in Second Kings 4, and he told her to borrow vessels and go in and close the door and borrow not a few, and she went in. That's a tremendous, unusual way to pay debts, to meet the needs, to protect your children from being taken uh, as debtors, to pay off a bill that your husband owed before he died. And yet, Elisha went to God, and all the vessels were filled. And then the loaves were multiplied in Second Kings 4.43. He also was used of God to raise a child from the dead in Second Kings 4.35. Then Gehazi was struck with leprosy in Second Kings 5.27. Naaman was healed in 2 Kings 5.10. The iron did swim in the water in 2 Kings 6.6. 6. The Syrians were smitten in 2 Kings 6.18 under his ministry. Then there was a resurrection of a man who touched his dead bones in 2 Kings 13.21. Let me ask you this tonight. Where, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He was alive. He had compassion. He was moving. He was well. He was healing. He was delivering. He was performing miracles. His word was sure. His word was pure. And his word was available. And so then we go on to Isaiah, who also was used of God for two amazing healings. Then we have the ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who, of course, performed many more miracles than these that I'm going to mention. But the Bible has recorded 37 amazing miracles that Jesus Christ performed. 37. And often he would consistently move. And he would turn the water into wine. He would heal the noble man's son. He would 
perform the miracle with the twelve of fishes. He would cast out demons. He would heal Peter's mother-in-law. He would cause the leper to be healed. He would heal the paralytic, the impotent man. He would heal the withered hand, the centurion's servant. He would raise the widow's son. He would steal the tempest. He would heal the demonic uh, person of the Gadarenes. He would raise Jairus' daughter. He would heal the issue of the blood. He would heal the blind. He would feed the 5,000. He would walk on the sea. He would heal the daughter of the Syrophoenician woman. He would feed the 4,000. He would heal the deaf and the dumb, the blind, the lunatic. He would perform the miracle of the tribute money, the ten lepers, the blind man. Lazarus would be raised from the dead. He would heal the woman with the spirit of infirmity caused by Satan for 18 years. He would also heal Malchus' uh, ear. He would have a second drought of fishes. Then he would be resurrected and appear to all of his disciples. Let me ask you tonight, did he not look with great favor and great compassion upon all manner of disease? To say that Jesus Christ did that, to prove he was God, is only true to a degree. He did it because he loved. What would you do for your children unless there was a greater reason Unless there was a higher reason and you knew it, would you want your kids to be sick? Would you want somebody to have cancer unless you had a greater reason for it, for your glory? Would you prefer that they'd be well? Would you prefer that they could get a good job? Would you prefer that your children could sleep well and be comfortable in a reasonable way? Would you prefer that they would have good minds and good emotions? How do you look upon your children? Would you prefer that they receive the best without hurting them? Well, the Bible clearly says in Luke 11, 11, that if we feel that way toward our children, how much more would our Heavenly Father want to give us what we ask? I believe that we are caught up in the mentality of orthodoxy. On one hand, we have sincere fundamentalists that don't think in terms of the vision of God in this way. I mentioned tonight about his compassion for the loss. I wanted to let you know that's first. I mentioned tonight of the dying and perishing. I want you to realize that that's the heartbeat of God. The soul is worth more than all everything. I mentioned tonight that categorical doctrine is the major need of every believer. You cannot substitute for hiding the word of God in your heart regardless of your physical condition. And it becomes the cause of many emotional healings and many scars that are taken care of by God. I want you to know those things about Jesus' love tonight, so we carefully presented them. But I want you to know there's another part of Jesus that is tender toward sickness, toward disease, toward emotional needs, toward the guilt of the conscience, toward the phobias of the heart, toward the old and toward the young, toward the paralytic, toward the wheelchair victim. And God is moved tonight by hurting bodies and hurting souls and hurting marriages. I hope tonight that we see him as somebody that is present to heal tonight. I hope we see him as a God who can do anything. I hope we can see him as a God that loves you, and that's half of it. I hope you picture him tonight as a caring, supernatural, loving father, as a caring savior. I hope you see him tonight as a great physician, as a great doctor of your soul. I hope you picture him tonight as he's living inside of you. I hope you sense tonight there's an angel right where you are. I hope you take his promises and his word tonight and realize without emotionalism, only in that it should be there to appreciate him. Without subjectivity, only as it's controlled by his person and his presence. I hope you realize that this God 
that performed four miracles in Peter's ministry, seven miracles in Paul's ministry. This God that always can never be detached from his ability. You can never look upon Jesus apart from his being the Savior. You can never look upon him apart from his being Lord. You cannot think of him apart from his being a healer. You cannot think of him apart from his caring. You cannot look upon him apart from his compassion. For that reason tonight, if we should ask you the question, where is the Lord God of Elijah? I say boldly and I say confidently he is here. And he's not here because a man here who is a sinner saved by grace. He's not here because this ministry is any better than any other. It isn't. He's not here because we're greater. We are not. He is here because he loves his people and he moves at them sometimes when he doesn't see faith. And other times he is moved greatly when he does see faith. He's here tonight because he died and shed his blood for you and I while we were yet sinners. He is here tonight to be the bishop of our souls. To give us help according to as our soul prospers to our bodies. He's here tonight because he would, if we would let him, and he may anyway, come in and move in our businesses and move in our marriage and move in our families with this amazing manifestation of this unusual, supernatural, unconditional care that only Jesus Christ has for the people that are his. He's here tonight as the head of the church. He's here this evening as the bridegroom of the bride. He is here tonight as a lover of the soul. He's here tonight as the redeemer of the heart. He's here tonight as the healer of the mind. He's here tonight as the healer of the body. He's here tonight as the redeemer for the redeemed. He's here tonight as the reconciler for those that desire reconciliation. He is here tonight as the father of his family. He's here tonight as the high priest that answers prayer. He's here tonight with the throne of mercy. He's here with the throne of grace. He's here because he cares for us and tells us to cast all our care upon him because he cares for us. He knows that Satan is a roaring lion and an angel of light and seeketh whom he may devour. And he says, cast all your care upon me. And when I was upon the earth in Acts 10, I delivered and healed those that was oppressed of the devil. I healed those that were sick and shouldn't have been. I went delivering them and healing them. I sent the twelve to do it. I sent the seventy to do it. And when the canon of scriptures was completed, Jesus Christ didn't change his nature. When the canon of scripture, I don't care if Pentecostals mess it up. I don't care if people are false in saying the healing and atonement is real when it isn't the way they teach. I don't care if there's false doctrine in it. Maybe there's emotionalism with some people. Maybe all these things certainly do exist. But Jesus Christ loves you tonight. And we are here to present that the Lord God of Elijah is here. And he's here to do business with our need. Satan would not have us believe there were demons anymore just because some people go witch hunting for them and make it their religious practice. He wouldn't have us believe that there was such a thing as demonization. He wouldn't have us believe there was such a thing as demonic influence. He would not have us to believe these things. He would have the secular psychiatrists try to do the work of God. He would have us, some people, take pills instead of go to Jesus to get their peace with the Prince of Peace. Say that if he could tonight, would try to harass you into thinking that you be the way you are the rest of your life and you settle down in no man's land in a Laodicean body without a fervent Holy Spirit fire doing its effectual work of God in your soul. 
I believe to God and I do tonight. I stay that way 24 hours a day. I look for people that need help. I look for people that are ready for God to move. I look for people that can get built up and see Christ do His thing in their midst. I believe that God can move with any kind of disease, any kind of need, any kind of problem. And I believe with all my heart tonight He desires to. And I believe that the atmosphere would try to inhibit my hearing that, knowing that, believing that, acting upon that. And I act upon it because the Word of God gives me that description of Jesus and I'm receiving precisely what God's Word says. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He's here. Where is Jesus Christ walking in the midst of his candlesticks? That means you. Where is Jesus Christ? He's living inside of you. The Holy Spirit's there. The Word of God is here. We're all subjects of grace and mercy through a finished work. We don't deserve it, but God is here. And He wants to go right down front and all through this congregation and do what He has to do tonight as a miracle. I'm just as convinced of it as I'm breathing. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. It's amazing, the Christian faith. And we see many manifestations, many ideas about Christianity in the world. But what we see in the scriptures and what we've seen in church history that is consistent with the scriptures is this idea of an apostolic faith. And that means that there are men that God has used during a specific period of time. Those men have affected other men and communicated to them the faith that was communicated by men before them. And this chain is passed along. Now, unlike the idea of a story passed along through oral tradition of many generations, really, this is the work of God happening behind the scenes where men who know God, who are filled with the Spirit of God, pass on what's been given to them to other men. And those other men now have the opportunity with God And it's amazing how in different generations there are different men. And some men did great, amazing things. Other men, it seems like their lives were very short. Their walk with God was very short. They may have been very weak, but had times of faith and great fruitfulness. And it varies so incredibly. And because it's not about the men themselves. It's about their God. It's Elisha knew the God of Elijah. That, and when the mantle fell, and that mantle now was on him. In Second Kings 2.14, he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters just as Elijah had done in verse 8. Just as Elijah had done in verse 8. Crying out, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And that was the beginning of this next chapter of an adventure. And we, we look at this and we say, 
We look at the Spurgeons. We look at the those great preachers that have gone before us. Those men of God who have proclaimed salvation. They've, they've exalted the book. They've grown weary through hours of study till their eyelids were closing. <laughs> they have invested the time because God has invested in them and they've seen the great value of a life with God and they've gone forward in it. And this generation has that same opportunity or no greater opportunity than ever before. We see the number of people in the world. There are more people alive today on the planet. Ah, It is amazing. The multiplication of population that happens, that has happened over these last few generations because we would say because of advancements and all of those things, and they say that in the scientific world, but really there's a plan that's churning. There's amazing, amazing things in the works, supernatural, the plan of God, and yet the plan of a kingdom that has opposed itself to the things of God, working in its machinations, but the opportunities, amazing, amazing opportunities to go forward. Let's take up the mantle of the men that have gone before us. By God's grace, let's submit ourselves. Let's be fruitful in the local assembly that God has given us. Let's be servants and see what God does. And yet believe him for great things beyond us. And we will see those things in the ministry God has called us to. That we have a place, that we have a portion there. And then to go forward in the calling that God has given us as men and as women, filled with the Spirit of God, making an impact on this generation. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. On this portion of the program, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, Jesus, Jesus as your Savior, That is the first step. You can stand on the shoulders of giants, but those giants are puny in comparison to this man who walked the earth, the man who existed before all that we see and hear, alive, eternal, one of the Trinity, manifested to us in Hebrews 1. The Son came himself. And spoke to us and walked among us. Unbelievable. Oh, it is amazing to know him, to be moved by him, to be spoken to by him, to be commissioned by him. Ask him into your life. Pray a prayer, something like this. Lord Jesus, come into my life. You are the God of Elijah. You are that you, I don't know you. And yet, I want to. I know you've been waiting to be merciful to me. I don't understand it, but I'm believing it right now. The scriptures say it. Open them to me. Place your spirit in me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me yours. I pray. Thank you, Father. Pray these things in Jesus' name.